This is Ozarks at Large. On Monday, registered Arkansas voters can cast a ballot to help Republicans, Libertarians, or Democrats select nominees for the general election. The crew behind the new KUAF podcast, Natural Election, is placing some focus on the primary election concept. Here's a portion of today's Natural Election podcast episode as Ozarks at Large's Daniel Carruth investigates the Arkansas primary. So if you've turned on cable TV lately or scrolled through Twitter or Facebook, you may have noticed it's election season again. And Biden's policies are only making it worse. As governor, I'll begin phasing... What's happening in Washington these days is a disgrace. So that's why I'm running for governor. And as the primaries draw near on May 24th, we wanted to ask, what exactly is a primary? Well, a primary election is when a political party uh, chooses its nominees for uh, the general election. So um, if you have uh, more than one candidate uh, running as a Democrat or a Republican, um, this is uh, the primary election is who you will choose to be on the main ballot in November. That's Chris Powell with the Arkansas Secretary of State's office. Like Powell says, a primary election is at its most basic a contest between members of one party to be the top choice for a general election. Pretty cut and dry. Okay, Chris, thanks. I I think that about sums it up, actually. Uh, We'll go ahead and stop the podcast. Rachel, cut the track. Just kidding. Come on, you didn't really think it was going to be that easy, did you? Different states do different primaries at different times in different years. Thank you, James Madison. That's University of Arkansas political science professor Janine Perry. Like she says, primary elections can vary from state to state, but let's stick to just Arkansas for now. What you need to remember is that our primary elections happen on Tuesday, May 24th. And there are a few additional decisions you may have to make once you register and show up to the polls. Here's Chris Powell again. This year we'll have um, a Democrat primary, a Republican primary, and a Libertarian primary, um, as well as a nonpartisan judicial election. And so you, when you go to the polls, uh, you will say, you know, I want a Democrat ballot or a libertarian ballot or a nonpartisan ballot or a Republican ballot. Um, and then uh, you can vote uh, on those candidates. Yes, Arkansas has what's called an open primary. How that works is like this. Say, initially, when you register to vote, you decide to register with, say, the Republican Party. But when you show up, you'll be asked which party's ballot you want to vote on during a primary. I think something people don't realize is that in Arkansas, because we have an open primary, that someone's going to ask you on the tablet to select a ballot. And you can select a Democratic ballot, a Republican ballot, or a nonpartisan ballot. And Perry says when it comes to the nonpartisan ballot, don't be fooled by the name. A nonpartisan ballot does not mean you get whatever you want and you get to pick back and forth like you do in a general election. But we got to remember what the primary election is, which is helping each party put its best foot forward. So you can think of the parties as like clubs in that sense. And they're the ones who get to decide. So you'll actually have to select that option. If you pick the nonpartisan option, you still get to participate in the judicial races, the races for judges. Um, 
if there were any local bond issues or school board or um, I don't think there are any city council races or anything like so Sometimes there are sort of funky little things that um, kind of get tacked on at that point. So you'd be able to vote on those, but you won't be able to vote in the governor's race or um, the U.S. Senate race or the state you know, legislative races or anything else. You'll have to pick to to help the Republicans or to help the Democrats in that sense. And so you'll you'll want to be prepared for that. And Powell explains that this is actually the general election for some of those judicial races. And that's things like uh, appeals court, uh, Supreme Court, prosecutors, things like that. And uh, But those will be on everyone's ballot. But if you don't want to vote for a party, you can vote the, just those specifically if you wish. Remember, you can only vote once. So once you pick a ballot and vote, that's it. And if there's a runoff election between two candidates, you can only vote if you voted in that primary. Something else to keep in mind, Perry says, is that Arkansas's voter history is public knowledge. Which party's primary you participate in goes in the voter file that anybody can buy for all of the state's 1.4 million voters or whatever for $2.50. It's just a giant Excel spreadsheet. And you could see, you could look up my name. And you could see whether I voted, whether I voted absentee early or at the polls, or whether I passed a situation you won't find. Um, And you, going back to, I think, well, as long as I've lived here, but for other people, um, back into the 80s, I want to say. So you can look up my vote history. But in Arkansas, you can also see which party's primary I participated in. So you'll be able to see that I voted at the polls or earlier absentee in the Democratic primary or in the Republican primary. So what I've discovered or what I've noticed over the last 23 years I've been here is that the newspaper sometimes, probably because somebody else tells them, will out. Sometimes it's been like the chair of the opposite parties of the opposite party in that county will participate in the in the other party's primary election because that's where the contests are happening. Or there was a big thing on campus several years ago where. The chancellor, John White, got outed for participating in the Democratic primary when every previous cycle he'd participated in the Republican primary. Those are both an outing. But the strong thinking, there was a lot of evidence that he was mad at the sitting state legislator at that time and was kind of part of a university-led effort to see if they could take her out in the primary. They weren't successful. But you've got to be pretty committed to move over into the the other party and participate. So that's all public information. And I try to sometimes tell my students that so they're not surprised by it if they're going into reporting and they don't want to be, you know, outed in that sense, or if they're um, thinking about running for office or that kind of thing. Which party's primary you participate in, in addition to whether you turn out at all, is all public information in Arkansas. So at this point, you might be thinking, since this is just a preliminary vote, we're not actually putting anyone in office yet. Why does it matter? Why not just wait until November when my vote really counts? Perry says, while that's technically true, there is something important to keep in mind. That is the election. Um, the outcome is going to happen on that Republican primary side. She says because Arkansas trends more Republican, the big contest is the primary rather than the general election. For the last 10 years, the main event in 
Arkansas government and determines public policy is the Republican primary. There are a lot of candidates on the Democratic side. That party is not going to go quietly into the good night <laughs> of the next, you know, 50, 60 years. Um, so they've got a lot of candidates in the field, too. But um, the outcomes on that side won't matter in most districts. The outcome on the Republican side will be the one that matters. And that's why there's a record number of candidates. They have to win this election. And then for 80 percent of the state legislative seats in Arkansas, not to mention all the county you know, level offices and anything else that's partisan, the general election will be a walk for them. So it, it all boils down to, to that to that election. And as we explained in the previous episode, Arkansas has low voter turnout in primaries, sometimes as low as 16% of eligible voters. Perry says that means key decisions rest on a shrinking number of people. On the ballot, we should note, the lower down on the ballot you get into those county level races or into school boards or, or that kind of thing, we get what political scientists I think politely call um, ballot fatigue uh, or voter roll-off. And it just means, especially if the party labels leave uh, the ballot, and this is true in general elections, of course, too, but um, if you get down to those nonpartisan races, all the judges' races, you know, who have really significant influence over all of our lives, you know, estates and um, divorce and custody and adoption and not and not to mention all the criminal justice stuff that we pay attention to, but the civil stuff's 90% of what they do, right? I mean, that's all hugely significant in people's lives. You might want to find out as much as you can about what that person's background is and ask some questions because by the time voters are voting, remember, we got 20% at best of people turning out to vote anyway. By the time they get to those positions where there's no party label attached, maybe half of that 20% are voting. So it's you and me and Daniel Carruth (laughs) making the decisions. Uh, I really hope um, that more people will get involved in that because it's sort of a mathematical irony, but also a truism, right? That those are the places where your vote actually matters a lot. All right, so now that you know what a primary is and why it matters, you may want to check out a sample ballot. We have a link for that and one for how to check your voter registration when you go online to KUAF.com slash vote. For Ozarks at Large, I'm Daniel Carruth. You can hear the entire latest episode of Natural Election today. It's available through your preferred podcast distributor or by going to the On Air and Podcast tab at KUAF.com. Ozarks at Large is underwritten, in part, by the Walton Family Charitable Support Foundation. 65,000 property owners in Carroll, Baxter, Boone, Marion, Newton, and Searcy counties are receiving a property tax refund in the form of checks in the mail. As Ozarks at Large's Jacqueline Froelich reports, the checks are the result of litigation to block a court-ordered special property tax collection to pay off bondholders who had invested in a now-defunct regional solid waste landfill. Tens of thousands of property owners are receiving checks in the mail with letters explaining the monies being issued from Ozark Mountain Solid Waste District litigation. The refund originates with a class action lawsuit filed in Carroll County in May 2018 by Matt Bishop and Wendy Howerton, attorneys with Bishop Law Firm in Fayetteville, on behalf of Berryville property owner Paul Summers. 
the number one reaction I get is people calling me saying, is this a scam? I don't, are you trying to get my account information? And I tell them, no, I explain what happened. What happened is that Bishop Law Firm filed a lawsuit first in Carroll County, then in five more counties, to block a temporary $18 property tax that was being collected from 65,000 property owners residing in the six-county Ozark Mountain Solid Waste District starting in 2017. The tax was formulated with little public knowledge by a court-appointed receiver to collect money to repay bondholders who had invested $12.3 million in bonds issued by Ozark Mountain Solid Waste District to purchase a centralized landfill in rural Baxter County. The landfill was later declared by environmental regulators in the state to be overcapacity and leaking. Bank of the Ozarks, now Bank OZK, as trustee for the bondholders, expected a total of $28 million in surcharge property tax collections over 30 years, starting in 2017. So far, over $3.6 million have been collected. Bishop filed suit in all six county circuit courts to block the collection, where various circuit court judges approved the motion. The property tax fee was ruled to be an illegal exaction, thus unconstitutional. We were just really happy. We always felt like we should win on the law, but that doesn't mean anything until you get the order. And so back in 2020, when the judges started ruling in our favor, that was just it was just really great news. And then when we were able to keep at least one year's worth of the money from going to Bank OZK, you know, it was just, just elation, really. We just had to wait out the appeals. Which, in the end, did not materialize. Not only did trustee Bank OZK decline to appeal on behalf of bondholders, the now five-member Ozark Mountain Solid Waste District Board voted to not appeal as well. Carroll County has since vacated the district. Bishop contends the now-defunct landfill was a terrible investment. They should have known this landfill was a bad investment. But they didn't do their research, so they wanted a taxpayer bailout. And you and I don't get that when we lose money on a bad investment. But Bank OZ came. If you look at their profit and loss statements, they end up with over $100,000 a year. They have historically as much as two or 300000 sometimes of free cash that they can use to pay the bond. Now, that's a long payoff time for the bondholders, but that's their problem, not ours. Bishop's now litigating to get the previous two years' taxes collected returned as well. For each year, even if I get the other two years, they'll receive $10.50 for each $18 payment that they made. And then we get one-third of that, which is $6 per $18 payment made. And then $1.50 goes to costs. And costs are things like, well, today I'm taking a deposition. I have to pay the court reporter. Or, but the main cost is the cost of mailing, writing checks, and uh, envelopes for refunding 65,000 people. Bishop and partner Wendy Howerton have sought but failed to learn the identity of the bondholders who pressed to recover millions from district property taxpayers, a good portion who are working poor. Bishop Law Firm has not charged a dime to solid waste district property taxpayers. Instead, expects to recover $400,000 for each year collected. 
As for the failed Baxter County Landfill, district property owners were also held liable to repay the estimated $16 million cleanup and closure costs to the Arkansas Department of Environmental Quality, the state. But the agency said in a court filing it would not claim an interest in the $2.3 million collected through the property tax fee for that purpose. That fee, turns out, is redundant. Since the early 90s, ADEQ has collected a surcharge from trash tipping fees for a post-closure trust fund used to safely seal landfills. For Ozarks at Large, I'm Jacqueline Froelich. Governor Asa Hutchinson is denouncing a reported leak of a United States Supreme Court draft regarding Roe v. Wade, but is expressing hope the landmark decision is overturned. The governor tweeted last night that he has advocated for the reversal of the decision his entire political career and tweeted that he hopes the eventual decision from the high court returns authority to individual states. The number of active cases of COVID-19 in Arkansas fell by 61 yesterday compared to Sunday, with just over 1,500 known active cases in the state. That's still more than 500 or above the same day two weeks ago. The Department of Health also reports two additional deaths. Dr. Jennifer Dillahay, the department's chief medical officer, blames mutations of the virus for the latest cases. We will see these subvariants become predominant. In fact, they are already predominant. So uh, what we are not seeing is uh, an increase or a change in the severity. So a large proportion of the people who get infected with these subvariants do not have severe disease, which is wonderful because that's keeping our hospitalization rates low. The number of hospitalizations fell by one yesterday with 48 people being treated statewide. Hospitalizations have hovered around 50 for the past two weeks. And the Fort Smith Public School District's new Peak Innovation Center will benefit from a $100,000 donation from Cox Communications. The gift will fund the Cox Career Center inside the new facility. The Cox Career Center, according to a school district press release, will help students learn application processes, refine job interviewing skills, and improve resume writing. The Peak Innovation Center opened earlier this year and includes classrooms and labs for courses in healthcare, information technology, and advanced manufacturing. On the next episode of Blockchain, the Future of Money, we discuss a topic that's been all the rage in the world of celebrity musicians, artists, and creators, NFTs. Well, let's start in the beginning. NFT stands for non-fungible token. Uh, non-fungible means that uh, it's something that lives on the internet or on a blockchain or something like that. You can't really grab it, hold it, but it's still there. A primer on NFTs and how they function on the next episode of Blockchain, The Future of Money with your host, Eric Denboer, a podcast produced by KUAF. Available for free at KUAF.com and anywhere you get your podcasts. This is Ozarks at Large. When Bryce Briscoe says a two and a half day period is a complete pottery nerd weekend, we should pay attention. He is a potter 
and he's the executive director of the Community Creative Center in Fayetteville. This weekend, the center is hosting the Arkansas Pottery Festival, a weekend with demonstrations, lectures, a pottery sale, even field trips Sunday to Cane Hill and the University of Arkansas Museum Historic Pottery Collection. I asked him recently if he felt compelled to make something called Arkansas Pottery Festival as big a deal as possible. It's getting that way. It has grown uh, from a little kernel of an idea into uh, really a statewide event. We have people coming from all over the state to exhibit pottery. Um, we have Barbara and Jim Larkin from Fox Pass Pottery in Hot Springs. They're one of the oldest uh, potteries, longest working potteries in Arkansas. I think they started in 1973. We've got a whole list of potters coming from all over the state, um, young and old, and showing pots. And then we also have Bill Jones, who's a professional potter. He's a long-term artist-in-residence at Red Lodge Clay, Montana. He's coming down to do demonstrations and a lecture on Friday and Saturday. Uh, we're also partnering with Historic Cane Hill, and we have Lawrence McElroy, the curator of the museum there. He's going to come and give a lecture on Saturday night about historic Arkansas pottery. So there's a, a quite old, I think it was from the 1860s, uh, pottery in Cane Hill that they're doing an archaeological dig on J.D. Wilbur, uh, really a fantastic historical potter and, and one of the only potters from that era in in Northwest Arkansas. So very exciting stuff there. Um, potters coming from all over the state to show their work. We're also partnering with the Botanical Gardens of the Ozarks. They're bringing us 100 plants, and we've made 100 handmade flower pots. So perfect for Mother's Day, buy a handmade flower pot, get a free plant. And then Saturday night's kind of the big kickoff, um, the keynote lecture, and we're going to have a cookout, and Adam Posnack will be playing music. When you say that uh, there will be demonstrations, mm -hmm. what does that mean? So we're going to have a stage set up. We're going to have two wheels, and Bill Jones will be there making pottery all day, interacting with the crowd, showing different techniques, just showing off how he makes pottery and his, his sort of um, his style and techniques. So you're going to have people showing up who are potters, amateur, and want to know more. I'm guessing you might have some people who show up who don't care if they ever put their hand in clay or at a wheel but just would like to look at the pottery and or Absolutely. We're hoping, uh, you know, we really hope that people will come who are working potters, who are just getting interested in pottery, maybe students or, or just out of school. And then there's uh, people who just really appreciate the art and craft of pottery and love to collect and love to have handmade things in their home. Um, so it works on all those levels. A situation where you can pay for the entire weekend? It costs zero dollars and zero cents. The whole weekend is absolutely free. So, yes, you can pay for the whole That's weekend. That's right. Very you can. easily, yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Every, every, we have uh, uh, great sponsors, and so the entire, uh, the entire event is free and open to the public. This is not the only thing that will be going on between now and the end of summer. We have so much going on. So Arkansas Pottery Festival is the first thing. Then we go right into our usual programming for summer camps. We have six weeks of children's summer camps age 7 to 12 and 12 to 16. So we'll be doing clay camps, art camps, pottery wheel camps. Um, as soon as we wrap up summer camp, we go right into the fall um, with pottery on the patio, which I'm sure we'll be back to talk about then. And of course, we always have adult programming going on. Our next session starts on May 9th for six-week classes, and we have fantastic classes going on. You can see all those and the Pottery Festival on the website, communitycreativecenter.org. You're a potter. I am. So what do you think you're going – when Bill Jones is up there on stage, what will you be watching for? 
I will probably be herding cats okay, and putting out okay. fires. Uh, See, I've known Bill for, for a good while. Um, he's a fantastic artist. Uh, but you can always learn something new, absolutely. We make pots in very different ways, and um, that's one reason I chose Bill to come down is he makes pots in a very interesting, very unique way as a really different approach to pot making. All right. As a non-potter, what, what, what is something that can be different from a Bill Jones perspective? Um, So the interesting thing about Bill is he was an architect. He was trained as an architect first, and then he went to uh, a very formal, traditional uh, Southern folk pottery um, apprenticeship, and then sort of has taken that and added a lot of new interesting ideas while still maintaining some of the traditional roots. So it's a very, very loose and gestural approach to functional pottery, but still very much has its roots in the Southern folk pottery and English slipware traditions. So it's really a melding of traditional and contemporary thought with sort of a, an eye towards architecture in the back. Bryce Briscoe is the executive director of Community Creative Center in Fayetteville. The center will host the Arkansas Pottery Festival beginning Friday. Along with the features of the weekend he mentioned, there will also be pottery books from Dixon Street Bookshop at the center during the weekend. More details at communitycreativecenter.org. Scott Family Amazium in Bentonville offers playful exploration of the arts and sciences through new daily experiences and activities for the family. The Amazium is open every day except Tuesdays. Amazium.org to discover more. This is Ozarks at Large. Kyle Kellams with me is Catherine Schultz, our militant grammarian. Welcome back. Hi. I want to tell you that um, an ESL teacher named Beth Cooper mm-hmm. called a few weeks ago to KUAF, and she had a question for the militant grammarian. Oh, okay. And I didn't take the call. I saw it, and I went, okay. All right, <laughs> Beth Cooper. You have opened Pandora's <laughs> grammar box here. Beth Cooper said... What is going on? Why don't people use fewer and less the way (laughs) they're supposed to? She said, broadcasters are now using fewer to mean less and vice versa. And I thought, well, you have an ally, Beth Cooper, in the Milton Grammarian. The answer to why, (laughs) if I'm really speaking my mind, is stupidity. But uh, it's... It's laziness. And also, it. uh, what I've come to learn, and I don't like it at all, is that these things just slip away mm-hmm. and slip away and slip away, and it's just like the uh, it's just like the uh, past participle. Yeah. I mean, I've lost that that argument. You know, he had went. Yeah. I'm going to have to listen to people say that they cannot fathom that gone is the past participle right. is is even any form of the word went. And and for the record, fewer you count. Things. Less, right, mm-hmm. less you measure. Soup. Yeah, yeah. Less is uncountable, uh, fewer is countable. Right. Number and amount right. is a similar. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. That's not why you came okay. here today, but I, I <laughs> well, wanted to pass I'm glad it was something little... I knew, even if it was something I was going to scream about. So. <laughs> Beth Cooper, there you go. All right, what are we talking about? We are talking today about part two, not T-O-O or T-O, of uh, homophones that... Um, can be tricky because there's only one letter difference. Okay. Homophones sound alike, spell differently, means different things. Right. Uh, so this is part two of that discussion. And right. while we're on the subject of two, let's mm-hmm. talk about two, two, and two. Okay. Give us the rundown of those three homophones. T-W-O means more than one, fewer than three. Right. See what I did there? Uh, two, T-O-O, means also. Mm-hmm. T-O is one of those... Wonderful little words that connects things. 
What is it? It's a little word that connects things. <laughs> and if a you're, linking verb? No. No, no, no. no. Uh, uh, that, uh, there you go. It almost came out. Prepos- yes. <laughs> it is a preposition. Okay. <laughs> it is a preposition. Okay. Very okay. good. All right. Anywhere a squirrel can go. Okay. In, out, under, to, beneath, over all that. Okay. Right. <laughs> all right. So uh, I'm going to give you the the book definitions. Two is a preposition that means expressing motion in the direction of a particular location. Sure. I came to the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio today to record the Milton Grammarian. Man, that's a mouthful to illustrate <laughs> such a tiny word. Right. Add an extra O and you get an adverb that modifies a word to a higher degree or to replace also. Mm-hmm. As in Kyle is here also. Kyle is here, here too. These are the two, T-W-O, wow, they're everywhere, yeah. um, forms that are frequently confused. T-O-O is often used incorrectly when people will use just the simple T-O. Yeah. Kyle, if I give you a compliment, how would you want me to spell it? You just tell me the one letter that differs. E and... If I'm if I'm complimenting you, how do you spell that? You can start from the beginning if you want well, to. Well, okay. <laughs> what have we told you? What have I told you about my spelling? C-O-M-P-L-I-M-E-N-T. Right. And then if I said that purse is a compliment to your outfit... Well, then there's an A instead of the E. No. <laughs> I said it so confidently. You did. What is it? Uh, it's, it it's, it's a noun uh, that comes from complete. It's an E. Instead of compliment, it's compliment. Oh. I have just... Learn this. I never understood what spell check was angry about on this word until now. I'd look at it, but I was looking at the last part of it. Okay. The noun complement is a thing that completes or brings to perfection. The verb means to bring about that completion. Yeah. Word genius gives us a tip to remember. Please. I love to receive compliments. Okay. But then it doesn't tell you about E, so it just means if it's not if it's not I, it's E, right. I guess. Here's a confused usage you often hear. In fact, I just used them correctly, Kyle. Mm-hmm. Here and here. H-E-A-R and H-E-R-E. Here with your yeah. ear. Mm-hmm. Here as in... Uh, Not there. Location. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Um, and, you know, the fact that one... The here with the ear has an ear in it. Yeah, exactly. H-E-A-R, yeah. Um, so... The word here is an adverb that indicates locations. H-E-R-E-S. I'm going to have to spell these. I'm glad to be back here in the Anthony and Susan Hoy news studio. Here, H-E-A-R, is all about listening and means to perceive sound with the ear. And, of course, it contains ear, which is a good tip for remembering. One error I see often is not helped by the tip. Kyle, what? If you want to heartily agree with someone, what they, do you say? I was hoping we would get there. We'd uh-huh. say, here, here. I imagine someone in colonial dress with a mug of grog, and he's saying, here, here. I want to say it's H-E-A-R? It is. Okay. Yeah. Well, I want you to hear me. Okay, Listen good. up. It's an abbreviation for here. All ye good people, hear what this brilliant and eloquent speaker has to say. It goes back at least as far as the British Parliament in the 1600s. See? Mm-hmm. Colonial dress grog. Yep. I got it. 
Okay, Kyle, here's a pair of homophones I always have to think about with a third cousin that just makes matters more confusing. <laughs> What's the letter difference between insure and insure? Well, there's an I at the beginning of one mm-hmm. and an E at the beginning of the other. Right. When something is I insured, it is secured or protected. Yes. To E insure means to make certain something shall occur or be the case. Pretty darn close. Yeah. And you throw in assure. Oh, I assure you, And yeah. things get really dicey. Assure with an A refers to promises. Are those differences clear to you? Well, insure to me seems the with easiest. A, which, which? With the I. Uh-huh. Because think of insurance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Usher is, it, to me, seems like something a person can do. Right. Like I assure. What about E? It's I and E that... that Bother me. I got to tell you, when I see insure, I think, isn't there some sort of drink at the grocery store? Oh, yeah, there is. Some sort of nutritional <laughs> supplement is. or something? There is, yeah. So I'm thinking that's, that's <laughs> I, I don't know. How, why is that called insure? Well, uh, it says that um, this scenario might explain the differences. Okay. The owner insured the building. I. Uh, with with money, right? Mm-hmm. So he could insure his future in the business. I mean, I get it. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. I, I don't think I can I, explain it. The way I use it is I means the insurance yeah. salesman and that's it. Yeah, that's about here too. Yeah, and I think that's, that's yeah. fairly safe. He assured his um, employees that they were secure. Okay. So that's just a, a, a promise, a verbal thing. Okay, I learned a trick for this next pair decades ago and it has served me well. Kyle, what's the letter difference between stationary and stationary? Like one's the writing paper. Right. And one is to stand still. Yes. And you say they are different. Oh. You are claiming that they are different. (laughs) They are. (laughs) You are saying. Capital and capital. (laughs) I'm not sure we have proof on this. All right. Help me out. If something is stationary with an A... It's staying still. It's not moving, yeah. Stationary with an E is writing paper, especially with matching envelopes. Yeah, see, I think I'm just young enough to not really have ever had to worry about stationary the paper. could be, yeah. Um, The memory trick that I found decades ago is to visualize the word letter with a capital E before the R. Well, I've just made it my own Uh since until 10 seconds ago I didn't realize this was a problem. (laughs) E for envelope. Yeah, good. There you go. Uh-huh. Oh, I'm going to start writing the word stationary <laughs> all the time now. <laughs> wow, I didn't, huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it kind of reminds me about the, the, the uh, when I was dumbstruck that there was a difference in pronunciation between P-I-N and P-E-N. Mm. I could not believe it. Well, Can, I that can't has something do to do with geography, I right? Can't, yeah. yeah, it does. I yeah. can't do it. <laughs> All right, this next one drives me nuts, and I see misused by some really good writers and smart people. What is the conjunction that's used to introduce the second element in a comparison? You're comparing things. Something compared to something else. Uh-huh. It's bigger than. Oh, right. it's bigger than. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know where you're going here. And what is the adverb describing elements of time? Then. Mm-hmm. Than and then. And how can people who read mix them up? But don't you think, going back to what you just said about pen and mm-hmm. pen, it can sometimes be... Pronunciation? Yeah. I than? I, than and then? Oh. oh. I think they're way different. 
Oh, but I think I think there are parts of the lower half of the forty-eight where yeah. those sound then and then mm-hmm. then and then. I guess oh, yeah. with a really lazy tongue, mm. then and then, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the confusion makes for some funny mem- memes on Facebook. <laughs> One that is suitable for radio audiences says, "I'd rather have pizza than have a hamburger." What might be the mistaken meaning if the word were changed? I'd rather have pizza. Then have a hamburger. Yeah. Well, you're you're saying I want pizza. I'm not full yet. Now give me the hamburger. You're saying you're a teenager. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> exactly. Okay, Kyle. I'll say bye for now. B Y E, not B U Y. Our militant grammarian is Catherine Sheralds. This is Ozarks at Large. Happy Tuesday. John Andrasik's songs are woven into the zeitgeist. His 2001 song, Superman, could be heard everywhere that year. performs and records under the name Five for Fighting, and his songs have been heard in more than 350 movies, TV shows, and advertisements. Friday night, he'll be in concert at Temple Live in Fort Smith. We called him late last month to ask him about the return of touring, his songwriting style, and about his latest song, inspired by Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky. It's titled, Can One Man Save the World? Who is this comedian, his audience, more mass than men, this Superman Ukrainian, I don't know. Great grandson of the Holocaust, an eastern heart the West has lost, nail or carry up his cross, I don't know. You know, I think all of us have been incredibly inspired by Zelensky, his wife, Elena, and the Ukrainian people. I think most folks, most pundits, you know, told us the war would be over in a couple of days. And I think as soon as uh, we saw his response to our, our offer of a plane ticket uh, to, to evacuate, and he said, you can keep your plane ticket, send me some ammo. I think we were uh, inspired, and, and, and we're asking, who is this guy, this comedian, um, who's standing up to Putin and dragging the world to the right side of history? And and after you know a few weeks of that, and, and watching his speeches and his courage, and watching some of the Western leaders start to move um, towards his cause, uh, you saw you know, prime ministers of of. Poland and Czechoslovakia, Slovenia go to Kiev, and eventually you just saw Boris Johnson go to Kiev. I don't think anybody could have imagined that when the war started. Uh, so that uh, got me thinking. It's like, can this one guy, uh, certainly not one person can save the world, but one person can change the course of history. We've seen that with Reagan. We saw that with Churchill. And we might be seeing that with Zelensky. But of course, this story has not been written. 
Well, and I love the first line because, you know, he was sort of the John Stewart of the Ukraine, <laughs> and now he's president. And it's a perfect first line. Like, who is this comedian that we didn't really know until a few months ago? Yeah. No, I mean, you, you couldn't imagine, you know, he was on there dancing with the stars. And it just goes to show you that, you know, you really never know the heart and soul of a person until they're tested. I mean, I, I go back to, to 9-11 and, and those firefighters who ran into those buildings to, to, save, to save others. And, and it's usually the folks that we don't know that come from places that are not political um, that really inspire us. You know, Ronald Reagan was an actor. Um, so I think, I think you're right. It's, you you kind of look at him and go, man, he's kind of one of us. And what would I do in that situation? Would I have that courage? Would I take the plane ticket or would I stay with my family and likely lose not my, only my life, but, but my wife and my children's life? And I don't think any of us know that till we're put in that situation, but certainly it's been incredibly inspiring and, and, and hopefully the rest of the world will support him. If we don't, it will certainly be another shame, just like we saw in Afghanistan. You have, bef this is not the first time that uh, you've been inspired, of course, to, to write music, or that your music has inspired other people. We know about uh, Superman after 9-11 after and other times. I'm wondering, what is that like for you as a songwriter to hear that your music touches people and people that you didn't know it would touch? You know, Kyle, it's very humbling. Uh, it's still hard to process. Um, the The greatest thing as a songwriter is to to make a difference in somebody's life. And and uh, I saw very early on with Superman how how that song can touch people in so many different ways. Um, you know, children, parents, our troops. Um, certainly after 9/11, uh, the concert for New York and. I think that really um, clued me in at, at, at a relatively young age in my career, how music can matter. You know, we, we look at this celebrity culture and it's rather shallow and fame and fortune and we're always scratching our head, these crazy celebrities doing silly things. And, but, you know, I, I did see at the concert for New York, you know, I, I remember when The Who took the stage and, you know, kind of blew the roof off Madison Square Garden and saw 20,000 people, you know, screaming, singing, crying, and, and I saw firsthand how music can provide a release in ways other mediums can. So uh, it's, I've been truly blessed to be able to do this for 20 years, to have a few songs people know. Um, but certainly I've, you know, I've been inspired <laughs> since a small child by, by songs, by songwriters, by musicians my whole life. So um, certainly I, I look to all my influences as, as one of the reasons I'm uh, able to do this. I'm Curious, have you been able to play much live in front of people the last two, two and a half years? No, you know, like so many, uh, you know, musicians, we were kind of locked in our little studios. And I did some virtual shows, but uh, we didn't get out to the end of last year. We did a three-week string quartet tour, uh, the, same, the same string quartet that I'm bringing to Fort Smith. And and uh, it was emotional. You know, some of my players were crying. You know, they'd been in their apartment for two years. And I think one thing with this pandemic is it, if there's any silver lining, it, it reminds us what, uh, you know, what matters. And, and uh, some things we took for granted um, that were taken away for us, now we treasure. I mean, one reason I'm coming to Arkansas, I haven't been to Arkansas in over 20 years. And, and I've had so many good friends there, such great support there. 
And with this pandemic, I'm like, you know, I'm going to places I've been talking about going for 15 years. So we're coming, you know, we're, we're, we're coming to you. We're going to Georgia. We're going to Florida, uh, places that we haven't been uh, ever or haven't been in decades. And, and I think uh, we're just so grateful to play and to share music. So it's really exciting. Um, it's almost like a rebirth. And, and we, have a, we have a special treat in Fort Smith. We're bringing the Bentonville High School Chamber Orchestra, just one best in state, uh, to sing a few songs with us. So there'll be some, some local flavor, uh, and there'll be some Fire for Fighting flavor, and there'll be some Broadway string quartet flavor. So we're, we're bringing it all. John Andrasik records and performs as Five for Fighting. He'll be at Temple Live Friday night, beginning at 8. Doors are at 7. Details at fortsmith.templelive.com. Walton Arts Center presents the 2022 Artisphere, Arkansas's Arts and Nature Festival, May 4th through the 27th, welcoming artists from around the world with performances, activities, and events at locations across Northwest Arkansas, featuring the return of the Artisphere Festival Orchestra, Trail Mix, and more. Tickets and event lineup at artisphereFestival.org. GeekCon is returning to the Bentonville Public Library this weekend. The outdoor event coincides with the 2022 observation of Free Comic Book Day. And while supplies last, free comics will be available. GeekCon is mostly going to take place in the library's backyard. Saturday from 10 until 1, it is free and it is family-friendly. There is a special superhero-themed family story time at 11 Saturday. There will be drawings for door prizes throughout the event. Many more details can be found at BentonvilleGeekCon.org. And the Northwest Arkansas Job Fair is tomorrow from 10 until 3 at the Frisco Station Mall in Rogers. The Rogers Lowell Area Chamber of Commerce will again host the job fair with more than 85 area employers scheduled to attend. The job fair is free. More details at rogerslowell.com. Have a bike or two gathering dust in the garage? Pedal It Forward and Downtown Springdale Alliance will happily take those bikes, rehabilitate them as needed, and deliver them to somebody who could use a bike. May 12th and 13th, bikes can be dropped off at Buffalo Builders on Emma and on the 14th at Fat Tire in Springdale. Yesterday, Kenny Williams, the program director for Pedal It Forward, and Jill Dabbs, the executive director of Downtown Springdale Alliance, came to the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio to talk about the citywide bike drive. We take everything that is donated and do something with it. Some bikes, unfortunately, if they're too far gone, we properly recycle those. Many bikes get uh, taken apart and used for parts. And then uh, luckily, most bikes from these drives are perfectly repairable. And our volunteers will, uh, you know, give them new tires, new tubes, lubrication, a nice bath, and they will go back out to someone who needs them. Yeah, how does that work then after they're ready to be recycled? I mean, not recycled, but when they're ready to be given to someone? Yeah, we, we operate a model called our Pedal Partner Model, and we actually partner with over 60 other nonprofits in Northwest Arkansas to identify people in need. And so we receive orders for bikes from those nonprofits, and we fill them with the bikes that we've repaired. Jill, I mean, this is, presumably these would be bikes donated from people in Springdale, for people in Springdale. 
like to see more people on bikes in Springdale? Yes, yes. I think um, a town that is walkable and bikeable and the infrastructure like we have is being used. And um, I think use drives demand for more. And we have a lot of opportunity for even creating um, on-street, safe on-street cycling in the future. And so this this continues to move that narrative forward, and um, it gives people that have barriers uh, to access to bicycles access to those bicycles. So who's not happy when they're riding a bike? Kenny, I I saw a list of the bicycles that are accepted. It's There aren't many that aren't that you're not suggesting be brought. Yes. uh, Many people think their bike is too far gone, and we would disagree. Um, You know, we have some specific exclusions. If it is mostly rust, uh, it may be time to just go straight to the recycling plant. Um, But don't don't be afraid to drop it off is what I would encourage you. We we can recycle a bike for you if we have to, but we would rather make that decision than you have to. So bring it on out. I've got one in the garage that hasn't been. I mean, if both tires are flat, there might be a gear that slips. It's okay to give that? 100%. Our volunteers could uh, could turn that over easily. And Kenny, can you tell us a little bit about the giveaway of some of these bikes that are going to be donated in Springdale through this drive, what the plans are for that this summer? Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it works out perfectly because Pedal It Forward is giving away 60 kids' bikes this summer through the Natural State Criterium Series. And so at each race in downtown Springdale, 20 bikes will be gifted to children uh, right there. Ideally, at the finish line, these kids will get to come out and receive their new bike. So the bikes raised through the drive will help push the inventory so that we can show up with 60 bikes to give away this summer. What should we know about those races? So they start the last Wednesday in June. The next one is the last Wednesday in July, and the last one is the last Wednesday in August. I cannot remember those dates, but (laughs) last Wednesday, June, July, and August. And they'll start about 5 o'clock in the evening. Uh, You can sign up for those races or get the dates and more information about watching the races at downtownspringdale.org. It's a really fun – if you don't know what a crit race is, it's like NASCAR for bicycles. So we block off a a one-mile loop in the downtown area. And um, the, the cyclists just show up and race, and it starts with the most amateur to the most professional uh, through each one of the um, races, and it's super fun. It's very family-friendly activity. We are going to have a kids' zone this year that the Jones Center is uh, committed to helping uh, make that happen. Um, this The whole Criterium Series is made possible by Tyson Foods. Uh, Buffalo Builders and Runway are also um, sponsors of the event. One of my favorite things about this partnership is that we're not only giving a kid a bike, we're getting a kid to an amazing event, Mm -hmm. an amazing cycling event that they likely wouldn't otherwise experience. And so you never know how that can affect a kid getting to come to see an event like a crit race in downtown. Kenny Williams is the program director for Pedal It Forward, and Jill Dabbs is the executive director of Downtown Springdale Alliance. Bikes can be dropped off May 12th and May 13th at Buffalo Builders on Emma in Springdale and on May 14th at Fat Tire in Springdale. More information at pedalitforward.org. The biomedical engineering discipline in itself is, is, is really positioned very well because we're training our students uh, to develop uh, solutions 
with empathy at its core. I think that's very important. On the next episode of Points of Departure, Dr. Raj Rao, professor and department head of biomedical engineering at the University of Arkansas, discusses a joint class he and host Rahelio Garcia Contreras developed that includes students here at the University of Arkansas and students in Bangalore, India. They explore how empathy and human-centered design can be used to tackle shared global challenges and to create cultural competency in students. That's on the next episode of Points of Departure, a podcast from Arkansas Global Changemakers in coordination with KUAF Public Radio. You can listen for free at KUAF.com or subscribe anywhere you find your podcasts. Tomorrow, on a Wednesday, Ozarks at Large, the inaugural day of service for veterans will take place in Springdale this weekend. It's hosted by the VFW Post 2952 Auxiliary in Springdale. The national program is, um, the way that they word it is that um, they have a phrase that veterans are always still serving. So that we have already seen how this attitude uh, promotes volunteer efforts and camaraderie for American veterans. And they are like all citizens in a community, um, but they often uh, will donate more to charities, register to vote, and they'll be a part of local government and activities. That. A discussion about poetry between J. Bailey Hutchinson and Ozarks at Large's Daniel Carruth. And we close out our run of University of Arkansas Historical Essays with Charlie Allison. All of that and much more. Ozarks at Large, tomorrow at noon and 7 p.m. on 91.3 KUAF. And when you'd like, through the free Ozarks at Large podcast or by going to KUAF.com or by asking your smart speaker to please play Ozarks at Large. This is 91.3 KUAF, Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Bentonville, and Terrytown. Timothy Dennis produced today's show inside the Harold and Blanchcock News Studio. Contributors this Tuesday included Daniel Carruth, who creates his reports inside the Karen Taha News Studio, and Jacqueline Froelich, our militant grammarian Catherine Sheralds. And additional content today came from KUAR, Public Radio for Little Rock and Central Arkansas. Our theme is titled, The First Hurrah. It is written and performed by Daryl Sean. You can find out more about Daryl wherever you find out more about music online. You can also still, many weekdays, catch Daryl Sean performing live on his Facebook and Instagram feeds. All right, thanks so much for being with us, for your continued support. You can always find out more about us at OzarksAtLarge.com. From inside the Carver Center for Public Radio in downtown Fayetteville, I'm Kyle Kellums. Be well. We'll talk again soon.